Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, and welcome to the Commonwealth Club of California and this evening's meeting. I'm Eric Siegel, chair of the club's personal growth forum and your host. This evening, we continue our series of talks about false narratives and their cousins, conspiracy theories, which can damage the shared fact base on which democracy depends. Whether through distorted context, misleading editing, oversimplification, incorrect extrapolation from a few examples, or just outright lying, the result is the same. Loss of trust in institutions, tribalism, and a search for an authoritarian leader in confusing times, increased stress levels and anger in society, and resulting legitimization of violence. It's therefore important that we look at the causes of false narratives and some possible actions we can take to decrease their power. So, let's get started. In your book, you discuss three major topics. Why people believe these conspiracy theories, how to figure out which ones are real, because sometimes conspiracy theories are factual and talking to conspiracists and how to rebuild trust in truth. Anyway, so let's start with, why do people believe in these things? I mean, I'm, I know I'm trained as an engineer, and so even I find that I actually make a lot of, de of decisions emotionally, and then I very quickly retrofit some sort of logical argument so I can pretend it was logical. And if I'm doing this, you know, and I suppose scientists and, and lawyers and others trained in logic are doing this. I can only imagine what everyone else is doing. So why are we doing this psychologically? I mean, where do we start? Maybe we should start by talking about what is a conspiracy theory, but then, you know, how is this happening psychologically? Mm -hmm. Well, so your own uh, personal observation, that's called motivated reasoning. Uh, that is, we're motivated to um, be correct, be right, rather than find truth. Our brains are more like lawyers than scientists uh, to win the argument. I mean, mm. this, is the, this is the thesis of, of a book on the kind of evolutionary origins of reason, Hugo Mercier and Dan Sperber's book. Um, and they argued that we evolved to win arguments more than find truth, which is difficult to find. And so the motivated reasoning, confirmation bias, where you look for and find confirming evidence for what you already believe and you ignore the disconfirming evidence or spin doctorate away or whatever to the point where cognitive dis dissonance kicks in where you hold one set of beliefs and the evidence contradicts it. Something's got to go that produces dissonance, Leon Fessinger's famous theory. Mostly what happens is, is the contradictory evidence gets spin doctored away. The belief remains um, stable. So he discovered this with a UFO cult and uh, on December 21st, 1954, when he went to the top of the mountain with the um, local um, group that thought the mothership was coming that night to rescue them before the world came to an end the next day. So he thought, well, that'll be interesting. See what happens, assuming the world doesn't end. <laughs> uh, what will they do, like tomorrow? You know, will they go back and go, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Can I have my, <laughs> can I have my car back you know, <laughs> and my job or whatever? And no, in fact, they went back and doubled down and tried to recruit people into the group to kind of reinforce that they really are right. And then, well, what about that uncomfortable fact that the world didn't end? Oh, well, we miscalculated, you know, forgot to carry the one. It's tomorrow night. Or it's next year. You know, and they always do that. Or it was a test of our faith <clears throat> and, uh, the, and, and God spared us or whatever. So, so that's what happens. Um, uh, we know from extensive studies on, uh, uh, in cognitive psychology that people do not naturally try to falsify their hypotheses. So uh, mm. a psychologist named Peter Wasson developed a, a series of little tests of this. So if I gave you a series of numbers and said, what do you think is the rule? Here's the numbers. Two, four, six. All right. What's the rule? Okay. Uh, here's another set. 10, 12, 14. Okay. So you think the rule is increasing numbers by two? Okay. Any other, anybody want to test the hypothesis? <laughs> Give me another series of three numbers. One, three, five. That also matches the rule. Oh, so it's not just it's not even, just numbers. even numbers. Okay, how about another one? Just a series of a 
that's it. All right. So, but almost nobody comes up with that. You see how long it took even series a series of ascending numbers. Is yeah. It's yeah. a, a, a super smart group like this. It took a little while to get to the, well, let's try something different. So it, that doesn't come naturally. The moment you form a hypothesis in your head about anything. Oh, right. Yeah. You start reinforcing it. Right. You don't want to hear that right. it might right. be wrong. Right. right. So that's the core of the problem with all conspiracy theories is um, the moment you have one, you know, you pick one off the headlines of Kanye West, you know, the Jews are doing this. Okay, well, if you just look around, you can find evidence, you know, oh, look, here's a Jewish guy running this media company. Here's a Jewish guy running this uh, uh, Wall Street trading house or whatever. It's like, aha. Yeah, okay. Well, how many uh, media companies are not run by Jews? You know, what's the... What, 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 are the, what are the counterfactuals? And it's hard to think of it because we don't naturally do that. So that's so conspiracy is uh, two or more people plotting in secret to gain an illegal or immoral advantage over somebody else or some other group. Um, and a conspiracy theory is just a theory about that, uh, whether it's true or not. And so um, the problem we have here is that there are conspiracies. There really are. Lots of them. And... Uh, uh, and, and so, you know, it's a signal detection problem. How mm -hmm. do you know, right? So, so just picture a two-by-two two grid. So we have four cells. So up here you have conspiracy theories that are true. And you say, yes, I think that's true. Okay, that's a hit. And over here you have conspiracy theories that are true. And you say, no, I don't think it's a true conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. So that's a miss. And here you have conspiracy theories that are false. And you think they're true. So that's a type one error. You've made a false positive. You thought the conspiracy theory was tr true, and it's not. And then you have the fourth one where you miss it. Uh, and so, uh, wait, did I get that right? <laughs> wait, I've confused myself. <laughs> I've done this diagram multiple ways. But you get the idea. Yeah. So you make two kinds of, there's two kinds of errors. Type one, false positive. You thought the conspiracy theory was real when it's not. Or you miss a real conspiracy theory. So my evolutionary argument is that we would err on the side of making more type one errors than type two errors. Assume the worst, just in case. It's a low cost error to make if it turns out it's not true. Like the rustle in the grass. Is it a dangerous predator? Is it just the wind? It doesn't cost a lot to assume the rustle in the grass is a dangerous predator and it turns out it's just the wind. You just become a little skittish and, and be careful. But if you think it's the wind and it's a dangerous predator, it's you're... A tiger, right? You're lunch. You're lunch you, get, right. you, you get a Darwin Award for taking yourself out of the gene pool early. So we're the descendants <laughs> of making... This kind of my more global argument for superstition and magical thinking is that you know we make more type 1 than type 2 errors, and conspiracy theories are you know, in that same category because we evolved as a social primate species in which other members of our group often plot against us, and other groups plot against our group. Uh, and so just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you because sometimes they are, <laughs> right? And uh, so it's reasonable to assume more are true than actually are. Yeah, the, the negativity bias. It's, it's always safer to pretend that the tiger is sneaking around than that, mm -hmm. that rustle was, oh, it's the breeze, you know, life is good. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not a formula for having a happy life, but it's a formula for being here. Mm. You survival, know, really. Survival. Yeah. And that way your genes can reproduce, and that's... Right. So we're the descendants of those that made more type 1 errors than type 2 errors. So that, that's my argument. Right. So I call that constructive conspiracism. Yeah. That is, there's a kind of logic to it, a kind of uh, constructive paranoia. A little paranoia is actually okay uh, about everything because there are, it really comes down to the second law of thermodynamics and entropy. There's just far more ways for things to go wrong than to go, to go better. Right. How many ways can your life get better? Well, a little bit here, a little bit there. But you could walk out and get hit by a, one of those electric um, <laughs> trolley things here you have in San Francisco or, you know, whatever. There's just lots of ways to, for things to go south fast. So it's, it's, it's good to actually be a little cautious about dangers. Uh, yeah, so this is one of the factors that are, that are forcing people into then a little bit of exaggeration. You're a little bit stressed. And it's not just negativity bias. It's also... I'm stressed, now I'm really going to worry about stuff, the slightest noise, the slightest, you know, so that kind of, of course, you don't want to be, loss of control. You don't want to be too far down the spectrum there, because then you can't even leave the house. So at some point, if, if it's like that, you end up with like an OCD kind of thing, where it's, you're not functional. So obviously that's not good, <laughs> right? So there's some balance there. And, and as you said, there's, there's a history of things that are, 
that really are true. There were, there people were plotting and governments were plotting mm -hmm. and whatever. And you, you had a term for that, what, proxy conspiracy. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, my type specimen examples, Volkswagen cheating the emission standards mm. in Europe. You know, that's a conspiracy. Yeah. And it really happened. And it's obvious why they did it. You know, it's no big secret. They're not trying to take over the world. They just want to make more money, <laughs> right? So, I mean, those kind of small, more targeted, narrowly focused conspiracies, are theories, are more likely to be true because we know that's what people do, corporations do, government agents, agencies do, and so on. So one of my signal detection criteria is the more people that have to be involved, the more elements that have to come together, and, and the more grandiose the conspiracy theory, the less likely it is to be true. More narrowly focused you know, insider trading or some government agency that's spying on uh, its own citizens. This happens a lot. You know, just to review, <laughs> as we may remember, uh, you know, without Edward Snowden and the WikiLeaks, we wouldn't have known to what extent mm -hmm. the NSA was spying on U.S. citizens without a warrant yep. from a court. I mean, a warrantless wiretapping, warrantless surveillance was quite common, and we didn't know that until he, he leaked that, right? So the Pentagon Papers, to what extent was the U.S. Mm -hmm. government lying about the Vietnam War? Quite a bit, right? So whistleblowers are important to find out what's really going on. But there, you know, this kind of makes, there's kind of a logic to it. Again, not trying to take over the world or whatever, just, you know, lying about because we want to do this, we want to do that, very specific, narrowly focused ones. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it'll come up a bit later when we talk about talking to individuals. But one of the nice things about even remembering that there really are conspiracy theories is that when you're talking to somebody who has fallen into one that is false, having some feeling of respect, you know, and not just saying, hey, you're an idiot. You know, that usually doesn't work real well. But thinking in the back of your head, you know, maybe he is right. And that puts him and you into a more receptive mode. You know, you're, you're, you're going to ask him questions, you know, why, and this kind of thing. Well, we can, we can come back to some of that stuff, because at the beginning, again, it's like, why, why are we getting into these conspiracy theories? I mean, what is it also about the technology today that amplifies this? I mean, people have a right to be heard, but they don't have a right to be amplified, as has been said. It used to be you could stand on the street corner and, and convince 10 people. Now, boom, it's everywhere. <laughs> right. Right. And I think yeah. part of that may be that this idea that if you, how do you decide something is true? We had one of our earlier speakers talk about that. It's just, it's repetition. So with the web, you can suddenly, and, and you know, AM radio and whatever, you can get repetition from a million areas. And, and that seems to build the conspiracy theories nowadays. Not is, just by itself, though, if it, if it, if it tags something in your tribe, so I call this tribal conspiracy, but it's mm -hmm. something that your tribe is likely to believe uh, and supports your uh, central tenets of your beliefs. You don't need a lot of evidence, just anything. You know, just, I mean, it could be one word. Rigged. Everybody knows what this means, right? Yeah, rigged. It's rigged. You know, right. this is, we call this the new conspiracism, the conspiracy theory without the theory. I mean, even the flat earthers <laughs> have arguments. Believe me, I've heard them. <laughs> uh, Hey, I want to put in my, my classic joke, how we know the, the, what's, that the world isn't flat. Because if it were, all the cats would have pushed everything off by now. <laughs> all right. Back. <laughs> I had to stick that in. Yeah, so, so. I mean, um, so I have this kind of three-part theory of conspiracism, right? So there's, we talked about constructive conspiracism. A lot of them are true, so it pays to type one, type two errors. And then tribal conspiracism, like, you know, rigged elections or whatever, you know, does anybody really believe this? Well, I think the rank and file probably does, according to surveys. It looks like not, no one in the top of the GOP uh, in 2020 believed it. Um, once Attorney General Barr said, we looked into it. Mm -hmm. I'm a Republican, lifelong yep. Republican, Trump supporter, couldn't find any evidence. 60 Minutes on Sunday had the guy in Arizona uh, who was lifelong Republican, voted for Trump twice, and Giuliani called him and said, you know, you got to do something here. You got to stop this, uh, you know, because Biden won the election, elector uh, votes there in Arizona. You got to stop it. He goes, well, do you have evidence that there was fraud? Oh, yeah. So Giuliani flies in there and and the meets with this guy, uh, Baker, Dusty Baker. 
uh, Rusty Baker. And the guy goes, okay, um, show me. Uh, do we have that? He, Giuliani says to his assistant. And he, well, I think we left it at the hotel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so why do people continue to believe? Well, because that's we're Republicans. That's this is our tribe. We got to win. You know, sacrificing the truth for your tribe. That happens a lot. Um, and proxy conspiracies. And my third one is whether the specific conspiracy theory is true or false is less important than what it stands for. It's a proxy for something else. So if you think about Pizzagate, which has to be the dumbest conspiracy theory I've uh, ever heard, you know, that Hillary uh, and the other Democrats and, and throwing Beyonce and Tom Hanks, I guess, uh, were running a secret satanic pedophile ring out of a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. I mean, does anybody really believe that? Well, one guy did, Edgar yeah. Welch. He went there with his AR-15 rifle to break it up. He drove three and a half hours from his house and made a video, you know, driving along with his cell phone, and explained, you know, this is, I'm going in. No one's doing anything about it. There's a crime being committed, uh, a horrible, horrible crime, and I'm going to do something. No one's doing anything about it. I'm going to do something about it, which, in a way, is kind of what you would do if something was really horrible happening. It's like the police aren't doing anything. I'm, I'm going to do something. Right, so he went in there, and there's no basement. He's like, uh oh, <laughs> and uh, and that was the end of that. And he ended in jail for a couple of years. Um, but most people, I think, if I if you took him to the basement and uh, you took him to the pizzeria and go, look, there's no basement, there's nothing here. There's some you know people eating pizza. There's a kids party, <laughs> but you know that's not exactly a pedophile ring. It's not like these people are going to go. Oh, in that case, I'll vote for Hillary. They were never going to vote for Hillary. You know, so it's a proxy, for, you know, along the lines of that. Okay, this one's not true, but it's the kind of thing those Democrats would do. Mm. You know, they're conniving and they want to ruin America. They would take away our freedoms and our guns and blah. And wasn't there something in the 90s about the Clinton body count with that guy Vince Foster and that, uh, that, 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 that real estate thing that went bad? And, and wasn't there something about Bill Clinton on the plane with Jeffrey Epstein to that island where there was a, that there was a pedophile ring, right? Well, not exactly, but you know, that, you know, Epstein's preferences appeared to be girls fourteen to seventeen or so, not five year olds. But you know, you just sort of conflate all those into a, a theory, and then have the pizza thing. Well, cheese pizza CP is child pornography. You know, oh this, boy! And it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> and before, you know, two years later, you get you down the rabbit hole, and you have this crazy idea, such that even if you debunk it, you know, somebody holding that which is, so they don't believe it in the kind of traditional sense i believe in gravity or whatever just, they believe it in some other kind of proxy sense it stands for something else that's why it's so tough to to talk someone out of it because this is part of their identity it's part of their their as you said their tribe kind of believes this and they're searching around for stories that get reinforced in their tribe and and if you debunk one you're kind of challenging who they are and their tribe is going to throw them out and then they're going to be, you know, lonely on the outside, which is kind of why they got involved with this tribe in the first place. So I do think if trouble. enough Republicans speak out against the rigged election conspiracy theory and Trump, we're not, we haven't hit the tipping point yet. Uh, maybe after the midterms, some beginning to get there. a few people will emerge that are probably going to be more supported in the GOP, and then and then everyone will say, "I never really believed the uh, the rigged election. I just kind of went along with it." And, and then, but we I don't think we're there yet. But hopefully, we'll get there. It's a concern. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you see it. People act on you know, January sixth. People act on their beliefs. Um, you know, the guy that went to Pelosi's house. Okay, some mental illness too doesn't help, right? So, but 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 it's not just mental illness. He had a conspiracy theory in his head. You know, the election was rigged. Nancy Pelosi's evil. I'm going to go in there and you know, break her kneecaps and, and, and then send yeah, and a signal. And, and what did his family say? That he was like isolated and he was, you know, well, with COVID with the last few years, people are isolated. They're, they're on the web. They're, they kind of go yeah. down the rabbit hole. They find a new community. They, they get in with the community and now they're all kind of reinforced and it goes, it gets nuttier and nuttier. There was a, we had a one comment that had come up earlier, which was, you know, the, the technology companies aren't necessarily, you know, evil doing this. They're just trying to make money. And one of the ways, for example, that Facebook would keep you on its site is by giving you stuff to look at. So you join a group, as we talked about before, about with, for new mothers. And they see you're a member of that group. And, well, that group overlaps another group that talks about vaccines. 
They don't know that they don't know it's new mothers and vaccines. It's just group A and group B to them. But they see the overlap. So they feed you a couple from the vaccine group to see if you'll bite. Are you interested? And if you are, now you get more and more of that stuff because it keeps you on the site so they can show you more ads. Well, now that you're also in the vaccine group, they'll feed you some from another group, maybe a little crazier. You know, now it's, you know, you know, QAnon or something. And if you bite, okay, great, we'll show you more. And so now you get that repetition and you're, you're in a new group and you get reinforcement. But it's not that they're out there to make QAnon look, you know, push that. It's just group A and group B and group C to them with certain overlaps. Mm -hmm. And so off we go. That didn't exist, you know, 25 years ago. Right. So the JFK conspiracy theorists, for example, uh, you know, they used to meet in hotel rooms, uh, conference rooms, and have their little mimeograph newsletters that go out to 100 people or something. That's it. They just didn't have you know, self-published books. They just didn't have the horsepower to reach a lot of people. Um, and But now, you know, like Loose Change, that homemade film about 9-11, um, it was made like in two, 2000, late 2002, 2003. I had like 10 million views in a few weeks. I mean, the kind of numbers that Hollywood producers would kill for, for their films. And so the penetration is much deeper uh, and the spread is much quicker. Mm -hmm. uh, overnight, you can get these things going uh, and, and get viral videos and that's that's what's new conspiracies is not new it goes all the way back to probably the origin of civilization you know when rome burned you know there was there was kind of different theories about what nero was up to oh you know? right did he did he let it happen on purpose lie hop or did he make it happen on purpose my hop right these are the kind of terms from 9-11 truthism did bush you know know it was going to happen and he let it happen as a way an excuse to uh, invade iraq or did was he actually in on it where he ordered people to plant the explosive devices in the World Trade Center building. So LIHOP and MIHOP. Same thing with President Roosevelt uh, after Pearl Harbor. There was uh, investigations into, well, how did this happen? You know, a lot of racism. There's no way the Japanese could have pulled this off. I mean, they can't even see. Look, they squint. I mean, really, seriously. They're too dumb and they can't see. How did they manage to uh, so successfully attack Pearl Harbor? Oh. Somebody must have been in on it. Roosevelt or, you know, so on and so forth. So LIHOP and MIHOP. But I introduced COWHOP capitalized on what happened on purpose, right? So Roosevelt wanted to get in the war. He wanted to support Churchill and the, and, and the British against the Nazis. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get co congressional support. The American firsters, led by uh, Charles Lindbergh, you know, had quite a strength uh, to, to block no more Europe, uh, American entanglements in European mm -hmm. wars. We're not going to do this anymore after the disastrous First World War. And so, but after Pearl Harbor, okay, everybody's like, okay, now we're in. Right. So and same thing with Bush. We know he wanted to invade Iraq. He didn't have an excuse. Now he has an excuse. He didn't make it happen. He didn't let it happen. But it happened. And now, OK, so we're going to do what we want to do. All politicians do that. Well, that, that brings us to the, the second part, which is like, how do we differentiate between a conspiracy theory that's fake and a conspiracy theory that they really are out to get? Us? Yeah. Right. Well, so, again, to just kind of hit some of those, the more people that have to be involved, uh, the more elements that have to come together just right uh, for it to happen, uh, the bigger and grander the scope of the theory, less likely it is to be true. And so I just take 9-11 as an inside job, uh, as a type specimen, that um, we all saw the planes hit, although I should note parenthetically there are mm -hmm. conspiracy theorists that are, uh, say there were no planes. They're called the no-planers. And they're debunked by the other, the truthers, who think, oh, of course there were planes, but there were also bombs. And they, you know, those people that say there were no planes, they're idiots. <laughs> so you, it's kind of amusing to see them debunk each other. <laughs> it's like when I used to, in the 90s, I did a, a debate with young earth creationists and old earth creationists, and they kind of went after each other. It was kind of funny. Oh um, but so, but just to think, how, how could it possibly have happened? You, for, you, you have to know ahead of time which floors the planes were going to hit on the World Trade Center buildings. I mean, the, the hijackers are instructed, you know, uh, tilt the plane so you hit more floors and you do more damage this way rather than straight on. And they did that, right? So somehow the guys in there that were planting explosive devices would have had to know it's you know going to be floors 96 through 107. And so that's where you plant the explosive devices. Impossible. Not to mention, you know, Al-Qaeda tried to blow up the World Trade Center building in 93. So these were the most heavily uh, secured buildings in the country. Somehow they got in there and broke through, you know, you got to break through the drywall to get to the beams. And no one noticed? 
Oh, well, they did it under the pretense of elevator repair. Elevator repair? <laughs> because you're not near the elevators when they're planning to, you know. Anyway, it's just, it's just crazy. And somehow um, all this got pulled off and not one person has come forward to say, you know, oh, I, I was dating this guy and he told me all about it, you know, or somebody that wants to write a tell-all book on 60 Minutes, uh, or back to uh, WikiLeaks, right? Millions of classified documents, not one related to 9-11 as an inside job, not one memo, nothing. Impossible. This is how we find out about things. Like, let me just rattle off a few of the ones in the context of consp- uh, constructive conspiracism. Um, Operation COINTELPRO, counterintelligence program conducted by the FBI to plant uh, agents in social justice movement groups in America. You know, the American Indian Movement, several feminist groups, the Black Panthers, dozens of groups, civil rights groups, um, in which in some of apparently meetings like this, you know, half the people there were FBI spies. And you can... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One of the activists said he could tell because they always had wig, wingtips on. <laughs> they had kind of like tie-dye shirts, but wingtips. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> You're wearing the wrong shoes. <laughs> anyway, um, all the way up to blackmailing Martin Luther King Jr. You know about the famous uh, letter that was sent to him saying, you know, we have, they taped his, he wasn't the most faithful husband. Let's just put it that way. And so he had Tristan in hotel rooms and they taped him having sex and said, we're going to release the tapes. Uh, sort of like revenge porn, which is illegal. We're going to release the tapes unless you kill yourself. Basically, in the letter, turns out it came from the FBI. Hoover. Jedgar Hoover orchestrated it. What? Our government did this? Yeah. Okay. That's just one, right? Project MK Ultra, uh, uh, in which the CIA was worried about the gap. We were worried about the missile gap with the Russians. Well, we were worried about the brainwashing gap. Those Russians and Chinese and North Koreans are ahead of us on brainwashing. Manchurian candidate, you know, we're going to program this guy to go assassinate somebody. Uh, and so we got to get in on this. So they dosed U.S. citizens without their knowledge, without their consent, uh, with LSD and other mind-altering drugs. One guy, Frank Olson, who was a chemist who worked for the uh, CIA, on this program, uh, they dosed him without telling him. They were just at a, like a dinner or something and they put in his drink. And then you know, ten, he kind of lost his mind 10 days later. He jumped out of a New York high-rise to his death or he was pushed you know, we did, and the CIA hasn't um, uh, admitted anything, but they did a $750,000 payout to the family decades later because his son kept the story alive, Eric Olson. Anyway, you can see all this on Netflix. There's a, a Earl Morris film called Wormwood, Wormwood, and it's all about this. And, and this is our government is doing this illegally, right? There's no congressional approval for this. No one even knows about it. Um, and, you know, Operation Paperclip, in which we're um, uh, nabbing Nazi scientists that, that were working on biological weapons, chemical weapons, and, of course, nuclear weapons and rockets, the most famous of which uh, the Paperclip goes on the file that, that we're going to uh, take this guy and move him to America and set him up and give him a job so it'll work for us instead of the Russians because they're trying to get him too. Uh, or if we don't, then he's going to put him on trial at Nuremberg for war crimes. <laughs> you know, whoa, what? You know. Werner von Braun is the most famous example of this. He worked on the Apollo program. But there were hundreds of them like that. And these are guys like the guy, um, I forget, Otto, I forget his last name. He worked. He invented sarin gas for the Nazis. Right? Now, Hitler didn't use gas in, as a weapon. Clearly he had no qualms about it, using it against Jewish populations. But, uh, but the, the gas as a weapon was there. Invented by the Nazis, so we got we got to get this guy now. He works for us. Our government did this, right? And this was not approved by Congress or anything like that. And I can just go on and on. You know, all the attempts to assassinate Castro, dozens of t- attempts to, ca- including working with the F, uh, working with the mafia, because you know if you're going to have somebody assassinate somebody, you hire somebody that knows what they're doing, right? Competent. They're competent assassins. <laughs> Let's get those guys. They do it all the time, right? So in '62. Um, people high up in the Kennedy administration brought to Kennedy and uh, Robert McNamara a document um, uh, called, uh, let's see, it's called, um, not, not Wormwood, it's, uh, anyway, I'll come to me for a second, but we have the, the document in which they constructed uh, plans for false flag operations. Mm. You've heard this term from Alex Jones. It's a, you know, Sandy Hook is a false flag operation. What does that mean? You know, the, 
the pirate ship raises a false flag so the other ship thinks they're okay and then they attack it, right? So it's a, a pretense to doing something nasty. And we were already doing this, right? After the failed Bay of Pigs uh, uh, operation, it's like, okay, we got to do something else and to get rid of this guy. Can't have communists 90 miles from Miami. So uh, they tried to kill him and so on. And then so they, they finally brought to Kennedy and, and McNamara, okay, how about we... We shoot down a commercial airliner filled with American uh, students on their way to Cancun or whatever, and we'll blame it on the Cubans, and then we'll invade. And there was like two dozen suggestions like this, all outlined. Now, to their credit, Kennedy and McNamara said, we're not going to kill American citizens. That's crazy. You know, we'll do something else to try to get rid of Castro, right? And, uh, but but that, 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 uh, that's happened a lot. All the attempted uh, manipulation of elections in South American countries to favor fascist dictators over communist dictators because they were, they're a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. He's fa more favorable to American business interests. That's gone on a lot. So when somebody says, you know, I think the government's up to no good, they have good reason. And yet, how do we differentiate? I mean, one of the things that we can do is we can say that in many cases, we can look at the engineering or the, you know, the science of it or, you know, some external proof to figure out whether it's happened or not. So in, in election conspiracy theories or a lot of scientific conspiracy theories, uh, we're not depending on do we believe this guy or that guy. We can say, well, wait a moment. Here's the, here are the checks and balances, and they're proven, and these people have seen it, and you can audit it yourself, and et cetera, et cetera. Because otherwise, it becomes just do I believe the government's out to get me as a base belief versus some other kind of belief. I mean, we have to have some way of differentiating in the 9-11 the things you bring, you bring up. I mean, we know that exactly how it happened from an engineering point of view, it's not particularly difficult to figure out that, you know, steel at a certain temperature sags. It doesn't melt to a much higher temperature, but it loses, it loses its strength at a relatively low temperature. That's why all the steel in buildings is coated with asbestos. It was after the, the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the collapse of a building in the 1800s that was built out of steel. There was a fire, and the, it, it softens, and the whole thing kind of falls down. That's why it's all coated with asbestos. It's so that it gives you time to get out of the building before the steel melts. And in 9-11, it, it loses a little strength, and it kind of sagged in the middle, and it came off the edge supports. You know, when the plane hit the thing, it knocked the asbestos off of the steel. And then, of course, once they start pancaking down, it's like wham, straight down. Yeah. So that you can appeal to the engineers, yay engineers, to see what actually happened. Or you could, in the, in the voting cases, you can start saying, well, wait a moment, how is this audited? Who is there? Because otherwise, yeah, there's, it, it's tough to kind of tease these things out. You know, what's, what's yeah. going on? So I, yeah, so you, we have to have kind of trust in the institutions that would know. Because mm. I would, what do I know about why buildings fall? I mean, I remember when these conspiracy theories first start coming out. Well, there's no way a building can fall straight down into its footprint. It's like, why not? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why buildings fall. Do you? You know, it's like on Twitter, everybody's an expert on Ukraine. And then next week, they're an expert on viruses. <laughs> right. Like, the same you, same guys. Have become the same guys. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, so we, so you have to think, well, what would be the motivation? So in the case mm. of the World Trade Center buildings, they were insured. And an insurance company has to pay out, you know, billions of dollars for those buildings. So they would be very interested to know if somebody actually planted explosive devices. Mm, right. They'd be highly motivated to find out, oh, the president of the United States ordered this. Thing. In that case, we don't have to pay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, of course, they would be motivated. So when they go, you know what, we looked into it and this is why it fell. And we have to pay out. And they did. Okay. End of story, right? So, again, Attorney General Bill Barr motivated to, to uh, find fraud if there was. Says there wasn't. End yeah, of story. He, it should be the end of story. If was motivated to find a problem, he was. So, why, you know, what, how would I know who to call in Arizona to find out if... Yeah, it becomes who it, Yeah. So, I have to trust that, you know, the people that are running the thing, and, you know, there's 50 states, you know, most of us are just regular citizens. Uh, you know, we can't check these things. You know, and, and uh, so you, the whole thing is kind of held aloft by the kind of social glue of trusting that the institutions mostly work, right? I mean, so in Arizona, they, you know, they really looked into it, and they found 12 votes 
that were fraudulent. 12, and Biden won by 10,000, right? And anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, it, and you know, extraordinary, you know, statements require extraordinary proof. Just kind of remembering who am I trusting and what do I. Mm-hmm. But that, that brings us to, you know, what do I do if I'm, I pretty much believe that, you know, the earth is not flat and I have a friend who believes that it's flat, that the cats are not involved. And, and <laughs> um, you know, how do yeah. I approach this? I mean, yeah. I, I have personally tried the you are an idiot approach and it did not <laughs> yes. work very well. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> You know. Yeah, so Thanksgiving dinner's coming up, and oh boy, you know, somebody sitting there is going to go, you know, <laughs> QAnon, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, so that it doesn't work. I, I worked with Netflix on a series on brainwashing, and we found this on the episode on uh, QAnon. We found a woman in Texas uh, who is highly educated, college degree, you know, married with kids, very successful, running her own PR firm, good-looking woman, and just had the perfect life. And then COVID happens, her business shut down, she's bored out of her skull, kids are off of school, whatever. And she goes down the rabbit hole online. And like six months later, the husband, she played the tape for us, his recorded message for, it's me or QAnon. I'm taking the kids and leaving if you don't give this up. And she gave up her family. She, she came back eventually and like came to her senses. Wow. But, and, and she said, well, why? She said, this was, I told him, this is the most important thing I'll ever do. I am working against this global pedophile ring, the deep state, uh, and, and I'm part of this. You know, we are going to stop this horrible, horrible, this may be the worst thing that's ever happened to our country, and this is my 70, 1776 moment. You know, I'm like Jefferson and purpose, and purpose in yeah, life. Yeah, it's, it's, it gives, it's a, that's one of the motives. You know? So if you try to take that away, that's going to be hard, right? So uh, ask questions. And really, all you can do is listen, be respectful, ask a lot of questions. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, where'd you hear that? You know, what, what's, the, what's the source? What's the quality of the source? Yeah, the more questions, and, and as we mentioned before, I mean, the, the, the respectfulness, the feeling that, well, you know, it might actually be correct. Yeah, and you can um, throw in some things like, you know, MK Ultra and some of these other examples of what the CIA has done. You know, yes, it could be, no, just but, but is it actually true? That's what we want to know. Is it actually true? Um, and then you can always ask the counterfactuals, you know, the, well, what would it take to change your mind? Mm. That's, often that's when, a great question. When you ask that, often people go, huh. I, you know, I never thought of that. I don't know. Or they go, nothing. <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay, now we're dealing. Yeah, okay. I mean, we're really at that Let's point. Let's have dessert. You're yeah, in the, whatever. Yeah, yeah, pass the cranberry <laughs> sauce. I mean, there you're at, like in the realm of religion. You know, if mm-hmm. somebody says, well, I'm a Christian. I believe the resurrection of Jesus. Well, what would it take to change your mind? Nothing. nothing. I'm a Christian. This is what we believe. End of story, right? And uh, anyway, so I... Yeah. Now, I like the idea of the questions because really the person has to change his or her own mind. You can't, I've discovered, force them to change their mind. And so you start asking, you know, well, what would it take to change your mind? And why, what, what are the details? You know, well, you know, this is awful. You know, uh, Obamacare is horrible. Well, well, what is Obamacare? And what, yes. what are Most you... Most people have no idea. I mean, you know, like, or, or, the, see, or, or, or... The other or, example is NAFTA. This was, uh, I think it was Hugo Mercier's research on that, you know, asking people that said they're against NAFTA or they're for NAFTA. What is it? Uh, it's that North... What is it? America? Uh, I don't know, but it's bad. Because... <laughs> Clinton liked it. That, that was during the Clinton administration. You know, they don't really know. You know, it's just, I don't know what, it's bad because it's the other team. Yeah it's, yeah, it's what you said earlier. It's symbolic of their under, yes, uh, belief right. underneath. Right, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. just kind of poking at it, and it doesn't happen immediately. But they, another thing that was, has been brought up in a previous talk was that a lot of people got into this because they're lonely, or especially the last few mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are emotional pressures to, to break this loneliness, and this is the group they found. And if you convince them that that group is nuts, then they're back in their original problem of being lonely. Or bored. Or bored or whatever. <laughs> so you've got, at the same time, building a support system for them. You know, family and, and 
So they, they're not being dropped into the m middle of the ocean. That kind of... There's some recent research on the entertainment value of conspiracy theories. Oh, boy. <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty fun. They are. They are they're kind of interesting. You know, I mean, most of daily life is pretty boring. You, know, you just get up, go off to work, take the kids to school, whatever. And it gives you a sense of, of understanding. Yeah. I mean, there are yeah. people... I've, I've heard someone say that people would rather the devil be running the world than that nobody's running the that's world. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's nobody in charge. What? You know... Uh, how come there's inflation? Well, we can ask this economist, that economist. Oh, it's the Illuminati or it's the Jews. Oh, that makes much more sense than what this guy's talking about over here in the Federal Reserve. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's so, I mean, the world is also, the world is pretty chaotic. A lot of it is just randomness, you know, just fluctuation. Things go up, things go down. And, you know, we attribute causes to the ups and the downs, but there's no cause. It's just random fluctuations. Right, so like if you if the stars in the sky are random, they're randomly distributed, but they look like fish and scorpions and horses and dippers, big and little, mm. and so on. If um, my favorite story on that is when uh, Steve Jobs released the iPod, then they added the shuffle feature, which was randomly played your song songs from your song list, and they got complaints from customers saying it's not random. Certain songs oh. come up more than others. It's right. like. That is randomness, right? So they had to reprogram it to make it feel random when it actually wasn't random. You know, so if you ask subjects research on this, you know, just flip a coin in your head, you know, like a hundred times. And people go, oh, I know, heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, heads, tails, tails, heads, mm -hmm. heads. And actually, it's like six or seven in a row uh, for each of them comes up a lot. You, you, see, you get these long streaks that feel non-random, but that actually is randomness throw a handful of pennies up on the, uh, in the air and they land on the ground, they're not going to be evenly distributed. If they were perfectly evenly distributed, there'd be something weird, like there's a magnet under the floor or something. You know, so cancer clusters that epidemiologists try mm. to figure out, there's, they're not randomly distributed in, in, in the way we think of it, but the cluster, that is the randomness. So you have to know. So immediately there's a theory, conspiracy, you know, the, oh, this industrial company was down, you know, up the, up the river and it's the air the water that's contaminated by the chemical um you know aaron brockovich and all that stuff with her activism maybe but maybe not it might just be yeah, random statistics is tough i mean i sweated through that class in college and and so that's one of the areas where you have to trust an expert who says well you know right, we've got right. n number of people and this is what happens and because a lot of it is really it's it's you know a little spooky but People who know it, I mean, you use statistics when you don't actually know exactly what's going on. And so you have to start trusting in expertise. I, I do want to get the questions. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm and um, I'm going to tell people at, at home to remember to write things in the YouTube chat. We already have some. But I'm going to start off with one that was sent to me a little while ago. Um, when dealing with people who are deep into the big lie, is it possible to use a truthful conspiracy theory to counteract a false one? What if an extremist believer was told the truth, that certain information sources were lying to them day after day to manipulate them and their friends? To them, this accurate information would sound outrageous, like a conspiracy theory. <laughs> so would some of them then flip and follow this new conspiracy theory? Yeah, interesting. I tried that uh, uh, after the January 6th insurrection. The initial response on the, in the Fox News Trumpistan was those were Antifa people dressed up like Trumpsters. So then I responded, well, all those BLM movement um, uh, protests, those are actually Republicans dressed up as uh, Antifa. Right. <laughs> Proud boys dressed up. It's like it's a, you cross-dressing. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, the moment you say that is not testable. It's, you're just an assertion. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I invoke uh, what I call Hitchens dictum, that which can be from Christopher Hitchens, that which can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. You know, do you have any evidence? No. Okay. Then end of conversation. Right. We, so we have questions out here. We, oh, we're going to need a mic runner. Whoops. Well, I'm going to end up know. being a mic I, runner. We can just repeat the mic. Okay. Well, we, can re we can repeat questions. All right. Here's, um, here's a mic. He's got a mic. Yeah, I can, I can go run the mic. Whatever. So we go to the... I'll do it. That way you can... Hey, you're an engineer. Yeah, you can run this. Well, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask one from, um, that came in from YouTube. Um, 
do you think Trump actually believes the 2020 election was stolen? I don't know. It, you know, it's hard to say. We mm-hmm. can't get the problem of other minds. We can't get in other people's heads. Uh, <laughs> it's possible. I mean, does, does, does you know, did Jim Jones really believe his you know yeah. nonsense? Do cult leaders believe it? Do psychics, astrologers really believe it? Maybe because if enough of their followers reinforce it, they come. Maybe they come to believe it. There's a theory. Uh, Bob Trivers' theory about deception and self-deception, that it, it, if, you, if you're lying, it, it's a heavier cognitive load because you got to keep track of the truth and then the lie you told and, uh, and then you forgot and so you told the second lie, whatever. It's, it, so it takes more cognition. But if you believe the lie, it's just only one thing to remember. So you're less likely to give off tells in facial expressions and things like that if you actually believe the lie. So it's possible. You know, Trump is the classic uh, case of uh, the dark triad psychopathy, Machiavellianism, and, um, and, and narcissism. Narcissistic personality. And right. you know, it's possible he just believes it because yeah. you know, he's been bullshitting his whole life about everything. I mean, he's just, nothing is... Yeah, yeah. My, my guess is that he's not actually lying, that he really believes, he believes it. Yeah. The people around him know better. Yes. They're the evil ones. Yeah. But Trump himself, I think, I mean, being an engineer, not a psychologist, but my guess is that, that he can't, allow himself to believe that he lost. Right, right. And I'd so he will right. go through whatever intellectual, you know, jumping around is necessary, which will look weirder and weirder to those of us on the outside. And then there are people who discover they can make money off it, they can get elected off of it, they can, they're, they're the, the bad ones. But yes, he himself, yes, exactly. Think, may. Right, right. Uh, let's have a question from in here while I've got the mic. I love the thing you said about human well, but human nature is really very biased towards finding patterns because as soon as you can find patterns, you can predict what might happen next. Mm. And when you think about the opposite of that, it's really pretty terrifying, the idea of randomness. Mm. And so the idea that we all come up with theories to make our world a little bit safer makes makes a great deal of sense. And I guess what I'm kind of arguing is that there's – Firstly, that we all do this. And so for us to react with sneers towards other people's so-called conspiracy theories is one of the things that I think really uh, makes part of this divide so serious because Mm -hmm. people hate being patronized and held in contempt. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess the next piece of how do we tilt things so that randomness becomes beautiful, Mm. surprising and fascinating, Mm -hmm. because that's really what natural selection is, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm a science teacher, and that's Mm. my job is to try to do that. And kids are much more amenable to it than adults are. And I wonder what you have to say about how do we cross that from it being threatening to being fascinating Mm. and beautiful? Well, by what you just said, by just saying what you said, that was beautifully said. Uh, I bet your students don't fall for that as much. <laughs> so educational reform, more of that, right? I mean, I, I've often thought I teach this class at uh, Chapman University. So these are first-year college students. Skepticism 101, how to think like a scientist, right? Just basic stuff like we've been talking about tonight. Uh, Bayesian reasoning, signal detection theory, you know, the kind of rationality community stuff. But it, it's not rocket science. I mean, any, anybody could understand this. If, if middle school. It should be taught in middle school. So, I mean, instead of taking, I don't know, maybe, uh, what did I have? Geometry, pre-algebra, algebra, pre-calculus, calculus. You know, what do I need all that stuff for? I, I've never used it because I didn't go into a STEM field. So maybe just take out one of those courses and add a how to think. Yeah. <laughs> just basically how to reason. You know, look, and, you know, here's the t- top 10 biases of motivated reasoning, the confirmation bias, the hindsight bias, the my side bias, boom, boom, boom with examples. And there are people that do this. There are programs and books and stuff, but it's usually in college. I think earlier the better. One thing that yeah. we did do was to teach kids how to do this kind yes, of yeah. um, tricking you, how to, how to make clickbait, for example, right. because apparently that inoculates them a little bit against that. I also th- I, I like the, the examples we use from, from Skeptic Magazine, you know, the paranormal, supernatural, astrology, UFOs, Bigfoot. The, these are fun topics that I find students like to talk about, right? Rather than some kind of philosophical logic course, you know, if P then Q, if not P then not Q, and, and you, your, your eyes are just kind of glazing <laughs> over like, what? <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. we, we uh, in, in the September 29th talk by Sam Woolley, on the landing page for that, if you go to, 
to look at our past talks, we have a whole list of references. And one of them actually is about uh, you know, civic and media education, uh, Stanford University Civic Online Reasoning Curriculum at, at uh, cor.stanford.edu. And there are a bunch of others, the Young Skeptics and News Literacy Project, et cetera. So that's, that's back on some of these earlier talks. Let's have another one. So what's the deal with political polling? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. I mean, it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. You mean, is it accurate? Well, we know it's, we know it's not accurate. But well, what, what do you mean it's not accurate? What are the conspiracies here with these polls? You know, all of a sudden, the Republicans are going to win everything. I don't know. I've, th that, that particular, if you're talking about the midterms, that's flip-flop back and forth. You know, I don't know, a month and a half ago, two months ago, they were definitely going to win, then they weren't, and now they are, and then they're not. I don't know. I think the, you know, the polls are as good as self-report data, which is not that great. You know, you're just asking people, what are you thinking now? Yeah. And what about what do they want to say? Right. It's always a shortcoming of social science research, of polling survey it's data. someone else. And also people, also right. back to the random statistics thing. Again, just, how to, just basic reasoning stuff. Like, what does it mean when the meteorologist on the news t says there's a 30% chance of rain tomorrow? And you ask people what it means. You get like, well, it's going to rain 30% of the time. Or it'll rain 30% of the city. It, no, that isn't what it means. You know, these are computer models that if you ran it a hundred times, it'd drain thirty of them, right? Or just you know, use the you know, Hillary had a seventy percent chance yeah. of winning, and and she lost. So those pollsters, what do they know? No, if you ran that election a hundred times, Hillary wins seventy of them, Trump wins thirty of them. That was one of the thirty. That's it, right? But people don't really yeah. understand that. I think. Got another one. Okay. Awesome. Um. Before I get into my question, my teacher wanted me to uh, touch on this issue of polling. Um, oh, no. <laughs> he says, quote, if you have been following 538 aggregated polls, a caution, it looks like GOP-friendly polling outlets have been flooding the zone with their polls to depress Dem turnout, particularly as it relates to close Senate races. So mm. we will see if that is Maybe. true uh, anyway. in a week. Anyway, question. question. Um, yeah, so I have kind of a fun question. I'm sure you've gotten it a lot. Are there any particular conspiracy theories that have yet to be verified that you think have a semblance of truth? Oh. Well, a lot of the ones I mentioned already that turned out we discovered because of whistleblowers and, and leaks and so on that, you know, was like, oh, our government was doing that, you know, like surveilling the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, you know, her cell phone. What? <laughs> okay, so there's enough of that that I, I am mildly suspicious. I'm not a big anti-government guy, but, you know, it's like we should be cautious about There's something happens when you get into power to everybody, Democrats and Republicans, even, you know, President Obama. So here's my theory. Okay. When you get elected president, they take you in the back room and they go, okay, here's what's actually going on. <laughs> and it's like, well, but I said I was going to uh, close Gitmo. Yeah, yeah, you can't close Gitmo because if you do that, then this happens. This, all right, but I said I would. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. Okay. No one lives up to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I hope you will in indulge me because I had a bizarre experience yesterday evening and I didn't sleep well. Uh, I went to CVS Longs to make sure I had enough candy and a woman was, we were parked parallel. She had her window down and she, uh, and she had a beautiful car. I said, what is it? She said, it's a Jaguar convertible, 2001. Okay. And it was gorgeous. Yeah, question. It, well, I, I need mm -hmm. to comment on this anyway. Uh, but she said, people are jealous of me and every time I park it, they hit it. Mm. There was nothing. No, no, it was perfect. Okay, anyway, she said, um, you know, um, Nancy Pelosi uh, has taken $700,000 oh, of Social Security money right. and has driven illegal migrants to the DMV and also registered them to vote. And then she said, you know, uh, Obama, um, he's from the, uh, Indonesia. His father is the king of right, Indonesia. Right. Oh boy. And um, and his real name is Barry. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I said, "Where are you getting your information?" Yeah. And I expected Fox News and yeah. No, she said, "I'm a journalist." And then uh, she said, "She went. Uh, the real Barack Obama is in Kenya, and we flew there to interview him, and we <laughs> waited, and he didn't show up, and we was told he's dead." Uh huh. And then. Wow. <laughs> well, there's more, but I'll just close on this. Yeah. 
Uh, she said, you know about Michelle Obama? I said, oh, I'm all, you know, she's a man. She's a man. <laughs> of course. Uh, 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 I, she said, <laughs> well, everybody knows that. Have you seen the muscles in her arms? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. she has a Ooh, male. She, she doesn't have children. Uh, those are just, they just got them to look like a family. Crisis actors. <laughs> she had come out of CVS. And then she says, 20 minutes, they're up. She says, I chased everybody up, and they're all Asian. I'm white, and they're Asian. And I told them, don't get it. Don't get it. You're going to die from it. Oh, and then she said, my 20 minutes are up. I have to go in and get my second booster shot on the other arm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know this what to make of that. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are... The thing is, Off. you know, I'm a professor and I'm very well educated by beta kappa summa cum laude, etc. This woman's vote counts the same as mine. That's what troubled <laughs> well, me that's, all night. That's what right. Say. Right. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that. That's <laughs> there are people like that. I meet them all the time. It's part of my day job. <laughs> who, <laughs> they write who, who me was long letters. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you for the discussion. It's uh, great. Uh, question. So uh, I'm curious. So. A lot of what was said is that it might be evolutionary or like biological in nature, and what I was wondering is if you know to what extent you might think it's it might be um, a function of our values. So, for example, I, I, a lot of times when I'm trying to you know talk to somebody and maybe try to get them to change their perspective, it's almost like I'm attacking them personally, mm-hmm. and that this model mm-hmm. forms part of their their identity. And it made me wonder. I studied philosophy too and you know, engineer, but um, it made me wonder if you know uh, you know maybe it's like something to do with like we're taught to be right like we're celebrated when we're right but but you know perhaps maybe if it was let's figure it out or you know the goal isn't you know to to be right it's to figure it out or anyway to what extent might it be a a function of the values and that's a a construct of of how people think as opposed to it's biologically ingrained and and almost programmed to be this way well we know that you can change norms just from the bottom up by everybody uh, changing their language or how they respond to other people. I mean, people don't use the N-word anymore. How did that happen? There was no law passed. We all just decided, you know what, this is just really offensive. We're just not going to do this anymore, right? Uh, or telling, uh, you know, gay jokes or jokes about women and you know, wife wife jokes. You know, these used to be pretty popular. Now, you, you just it's not cool, you know? And so if enough of us kind of speak out or refuse to laugh at somebody's idiotic joke that's offensive, then the norms do shift slowly. You know, just thinking about this, um, I had a podcast guest today, we were talking about, you know, what's the fastest um, kind of civil rights revolution, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, the same-sex marriage thing happened pretty fast, you know, from 2011 when it was about 50-50 in polls, of whether it was acceptable or not. Um, and then uh, by 2015, the Supreme Court, you know, voted to make it the law of the land. Um, you know, same-sex marriage is now legal. And, and then pretty quickly, everyone just quit talking about it, and it just became just common in place, right? And same thing with um, interracial marriages. There weren't many, you know, and it was illegal until 1967. And even in as late as, like, the 1990s, it, there was only, like, 1% of interracial marriages, mostly black men, white women. And, but now it's, it's much higher. It's, I don't know, like 10 times higher than whatever it's, 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 uh, and somehow that kind of just slowly changes slow enough. You don't really notice it. And then all of a sudden, like, here we are. Wow. Things are are much better. And I think if those of us in the kind of skeptical, rational, rationality community, you know, we just, just talk about like it's okay to change your mind. You know, really, mm-hmm. it's it's not only is it okay, it's a virtue. Yeah, it's a scientific it's a, way. It, it, Given more evidence, I'll change my mind. That that's right, and, and get away from the black and white. It's true or false. Just think, think think about it in a more Bayesian way. It's it's likely true. It's likely false. Maybe it could be fifty fifty. Like these UAPs. Everybody's is it really aliens or not? Well, okay, <laughs> you know, it's the U means unidentified. That's all we know. I don't know what it is. Let's just wait. You don't have to say anything. We don't have to decide. <laughs> just wait and, and make that a virtue. Oh, we got another question. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you think there's a danger in sort of satirical conspiracy theories, like the birds aren't real stuff. Oh, oh uh, birds are I like that, actually. I, th- I found that very amusing. <laughs> if you're not familiar with this, this, uh, this young man, I forget his name. Do you remember his name? The birds are not real? No. Yeah. Anyway, so he started this thing that all birds that you see are actually drones. 
And and people were taking him pretty seriously. He was driving around with a van, and you know, birds are not real. And he had a bullhorn. He's like Alex Jones on the road. And uh, you know, then he finally tested. Sixty Minutes actually did a piece on this. It was great. I I think it's all right because it 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 it, it shows the absurdity of you know, really far out conspiracy theories. Then let me make a comment about Alex Jones in that verdict against him, the judgment against him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about this. It's like, you know, free speech, you know, but, but you, can't, you can't harm people. And his words pretty much directly led to people going to these homes and harassing these people. But, but I can't help but wonder, I only know of one, a woman who's arrested and jailed for going, harassing somebody at their home. But why aren't all the other people that we hear about that took Alex Jones's stories and then went to these homes. You know, why aren't they also culpable in that? So it's, it's or you know, Trump's speech on on January sixth that morning, is he responsible? It's an interesting problem. I'm told by most First Amendment attorneys that it's a high bar to reach to go from a speech to violence mm-hmm. by somebody else, and that is, they probably can't get him for being responsible for January sixth. We'll see, but. Anyway. Okay, well, we have time for maybe one more question. Uh, so most of the conspiracy theories we've talked about are from the conservative side of the political spectrum, like QAnon and the big lie. Uh, what are the most common false narratives or beliefs you see among liberals? Mm, yeah, so um, a- as a predictor of conspiracy beliefs, uh, Republicans and Democrats are approximately equal, <laughs> uh, but they, they, the, the specific kind of conspiracy that you're interested in, or race. You know, black Americans are more likely to think that the CIA planted crack cocaine or invented AIDS to decimate black populations. White Americans are more likely to think the government's taking away our guns. They're plotting to put uh, gun owners in FEMA camps in Texas and so on. Um, you know, so the Obama birther one was endorsed more by Republicans. The 9-11 truther one is endorsed by more uh, liberals. So, um, it, you know, and it, those kind of demographic features are, are, are more proxies for specific conspiracy theories rather than just general conspiracism or kind of paranoia or whatever. It, it, anyway, yeah. And there, there's plenty on the left. I mean, most elections... The losing side, so this is the little tagline is conspiracies are for losers, <laughs> that whoever loses the election thinks the other side did something. And Democrats do this every election. They always, just like the Republicans do. What's different now is that usually they drop it a couple of weeks after the election. And, okay, let's just focus on the next one. And so that's what's different yeah, now because they're yeah, still they, keeping they it alive. Mount, uh, yeah, Trump direction. still thinks the 2016 election was rigged. It's like, dude, you won. You're supposed to, according, according to the social science research, you're supposed to shut up now. <laughs> okay, I've got maybe yeah. one more. So you had mentioned that the rise of social media and technology has increased the replicatability of many of these beliefs, and therefore we're seeing a rise in um, conspiracy theories. I wonder what solutions you either recommend that we take on a societal level or ones that you've seen that actually exist to counteract those. I'm conflicted about this. You know, these are private companies. I'm disinclined for the government to go in and regulate them and break them up and and that sort of thing. Um, And in general, I think it's just counter bad speech with better speech is kind of the general principle with obvious exceptions of, you know, libel slandering somebody that harms them. Uh, physically or financially or whatever, you can't post the nuclear codes on Twitter. <laughs> you know things like that. Uh, you know uh, those are low hanging fruit. But in general, I think it's just better to counter it. You know, and just um, social media is still fairly new, right? Two thousand seven really is when it kind of launched. So that's not that long ago. It could be in ten years, no one will be using Twitter. They'll, it'll be something else. Just like you know, MySpace. What happened to MySpace? Now Facebook is like an old thing for people like me to use. You know, the kids these days they don't use Facebook; they use whatever Instagram, TikTok. In ten years, it may be something we can't even think of, and none of these will be all that influential. So, I, before we panic and think, well, this is an existential crisis. You know, I mean, there's some evidence that, um, with, with a lot of evidence, that there's been a spike in uh, teenage depression, anxiety, cutting, suicidal ideation about twice as much in girls than boys. Why is that? Is it social media in general? I mean, is it screen time in general? Is it social media in particular? Is it that site, you know, Facebook, fear of missing out, fear of being left out? Anyway, the research is 
is not clear yeah, yet on that. Uh, we don't know. There, there are some things that are being suggested in the 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 uh, talk on September 29th. We talked about some of them, but for example, you could add what's called friction to things like Twitter, et cetera, that you can't just forward something immediately. Hmm. You have to show that you've read it first. You're only allowed to forward it five times. You're only increase the friction of things being blasted hmm. out to everybody. Interesting. There are theories about how, you know, does it really help to add something at the bottom saying this has been debunked? Hmm. Does that help? Does it make it worse? Um, one of the things that's happening is that a lot of corporations are now encrypting everything. Oh, we're going to do it for your privacy. Mm. Well, they're really doing it to some degree, so they, don't have, they can't monitor it. Mm. If it's encrypted, they can't be held responsible for the content. Mm. And yet we can tell, there's been some research in, in Twitter, that we can guess at whether something's true or false by watching the pattern. If it starts simultaneously at the top from like 10 locations mm. and blasts downwards, with each of those people have lots of connections maybe false. Hmm. If it comes up from the bottom, from people who don't have a lot of connections and it slowly grows outwards, maybe true, hmm. even if you can't see the actual content. So a lot of people are working on it, but I don't think they've got an answer and that's something that we have to do. Of course, there's legislation. How do you, how do you hold someone responsible for this? And that's a whole legal tangle. There have been a lot of discussions about Indeed. that. Yeah. Well. Good point. Um, so, so our gratitude to Dr. Michael Shermer for being with us today. And we are also- Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And we are also grateful to our audience here as well as to those listening to the recording. And now, this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California commemorating its 119th year of enlightened wow. discussion is adjourned. Wow. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support.